as we begin a new year together uh, today, if you had time to do a lot of the things that you would really enjoy doing, what would some of those things be? I just want you to think with me for a moment about that. I would guess some of us would go shopping if we had more time, probably if we had more money too, especially this time of year, right? I mean, look at the sales. It's sort of entertaining. There's, uh, for some of you, it's entertaining, I should say. <clears throat> but uh, some of us would probably, if we had more time, we would, we would sleep more because the fact of the matter is we're tired and we need to catch up on our rest and we're behind and we, we just need to sleep. Some of us would travel or we would read the stack of books that's grown dusty by our bedside. Some of us have done that. And you, you see those books and you keep thinking, I need to get rid of them or read them. And they just seem to keep sitting there collecting dust because time's an issue. Some of us, if we have more time, would take a cooking class. Or an endless, seemingly endless list of other things that we could do, right? Maybe these would be the things we would do. The fact is, the fact that there's an endless list of things we could do, to our way of thinking sometimes, that should be replenishing, right? That's how we think sometimes. But the truth of the matter is, it's not. The sad truth is, it's overwhelming, the sheer number and magnitude of choices that you and I are confronted with every single day is mind-numbing. If you think very deeply about it, if you step back and look at it objectively. Let me give you an illustration. Uh, I, I go to the grocery store because we're out of Cheerios cereal. When I get to the cereal aisle at my grocery store, do you know what I'm greeted with? A complex decision. I thought I was going for Cheerios. What am I greeted with? Do I want original Cheerios? Do I want Honey Nut Cheerios? Do I want Honey Nut Medley Crunch Cheerios? Would I prefer Apple Cinnamon Cheerios or Banana Nut Cheerios? Maybe I would like Frosted Cheerios or Chocolate Cheerios or Multigrain Cheerios or Multigrain Peanut Butter Cheerios or Dolce de Leche Cheerios or Cinnamon Burst Cheerios. And don't forget the holiday specials. I could get Eggnog Cheerios or Wassel Cheerios. I made those last two up. They, uh, don't go looking for them today. You won't find them, though they may be on your shelf next Christmas. Okay, that's, that's a possibility. But here's the point. Buying Cheerios used to be easy. But now it's become a complex, negotiated, time-consuming family decision. And there's crisis in the home if you get the wrong Cheerios. Know what I'm saying? And fortunately, once you get finished shopping for your Cheerios, it's time to decide which of the 27 varieties of Crest toothpaste you and your family might want. And of course, this time of year, you can browse through the 53 varieties of Campbell's Condensed Soup that you might need for that special recipe. And of course, the one that you're looking for is not there. And so now you're confronted with the decision which of the 52 others might be a reasonable substitute, right? And then there's 10 varieties of Tide liquid laundry. I can, do you get the picture? Or should we just buy the knockoff discounted ones? And where were they made? And were they made in some sweatshop somewhere where some child slave was making? You know, the, it's mind-numbing, isn't it? 
mean, this is the world we live in. Life has become complex, overwhelming, far more so than I can describe this morning. But thankfully, God reminds us throughout the pages of Scripture of what and who is ultimately most important of all of life. And here's the reality is, if you and I can keep that clear in our minds in the midst of all the mind-numbing decisions... It'll help us to feel better. It'll help us to it'll help reduce some of the decision anxiety that we face on a day in and out basis. It'll help us to minimize regrets, maximize the opportunities of life that God's given us. So this morning, I want to want to remind you who and what is really, really important to focus on in your life, so that you and I can try this year to keep that straight in the midst of the flood of other stuff. If you have your Bible, open it to Luke chapter 10. We're going to look there together this morning. Uh, go ahead and turn there. If you don't have a Bible of your own, grab one on the shelf in the chair, the, uh, the chair in front of you. There should be some there uh, nearby, if not right in front of you. Uh, it's an incident. We're going to look at an incident in the life of Jesus where he and his disciples went to the home of a woman named Martha, and uh, her sister Mary was there as well. I just want you to Reflect with me and just see if you don't identify with some of this, and uh, we'll all benefit from what God can teach us here in this passage. Luke 10, we're going to start at verse 38. Verse 38, if you don't have a Bible for some reason, or if you're watching in on the live stream, you can, can follow along on the, the text. It'll be on the screen. Scripture says that as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him to her home. Her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing, and she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. And it'll not be taken away from her. When you read the text, it's clear uh, that a, Martha was probably a lot like us. Probably like, a lot like most of us. Tending toward distraction. Worried and upset over many things. I want you to think with me for just a moment of all the concerns that come to one's mind when you have guests in your home for a meal. Hey, just think of that. Some of you don't have to think back very far. You know, just a few hours or a few days at the most for some of us. This is the stuff that goes through your mind. You think to yourself, will the guests like what I'm preparing? Do I have enough food for everyone? How can I accelerate the preparation process without compromising anything? Because who wants to spend more time there than you have to? You just don't. Are all the dishes going to be ready at the same time? How's it all tasting as it's cooking? Does it look appetizing? Where's everybody going to sit? I can go on. I mean, these and a long list of other things are just sort of swirling in the mind of anybody who's being a host or hostess. And all of that and more was probably racing through Martha's mind. And to complicate matters further, I want to remind you who her dinner guest was. The only thing that would have complicated your Christmas dinner more would have been if Jesus himself was the guest, right? Martha's got Jesus as the guest. Do you, th- do you think that 
she remembered? You just think of all the things that go through your mind. Do, do you think she remembered to put her copy of the Bible on the coffee table before he got there? She did that. Or was she, as everything was going on, thinking to herself, I was going to put that out and I forgot. Got this angst swirling inside of her. This is, this is the scene. Mary, Martha was undoubtedly concerned about creating the right environment and was feverishly working her to-do list when all of a sudden she noticed that there was all kinds of commotion coming from her. But where was her sister Mary? So she takes a quick inventory of the personnel and she noticed Mary slacking. Her new nickname for Mary, Slacker. This is, what she's, this is what she's seeing. And so she looks around and she finds Mary sitting there listening to Jesus. And, and just think about this. Anytime some, some people work while others sit, the subject of fairness and equality is destined to be brought up. It's just a, a human law. And that's what happens here. In the middle of verse 40, the passage tells us how Martha, verse 40 came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help. To, to do the verse justice, we have to all play our violins, okay? Are you, are you, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you? This is what's going on. She's got her own little pity party going on here because she's working and her sister's slacking. And How many of you have a brother or sister? You know what I'm talking about, right? You felt this. You probably said this to your parent at some point in time. But to Martha's disappointment, Jesus didn't uphold her values of hospitality and accomplishment and fairness to the degree that she did. Not that he doesn't care about him. It's just that he didn't hold him in as high a regard as she did in this moment. Verse 42 tells us that Jesus said to her, there's only, and, and notice carefully the verse, there's only one thing worth being concerned about. How many things? There's only one thing, Jesus says, worth being concerned about, worried about, troubled about, spending lots of time pondering and be bothered about. Only one thing worth being concerned about, Jesus said. Mary has discovered it. Implication, it doesn't always just occur to us naturally. Something is discovered, and it will not be taken away from her, Jesus said. Apparently, Mary had found the one thing that in God's estimation truly matters. And here's what she was doing. Look back at verse 39. Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted. It's an Instagram photo moment of the passage right here. Mary sitting at Jesus' feet listening. Martha distracted. I want you to notice the two important action verbs that in this verse describe Mary. passage says that she sat. She sat. It seems passive to us because, because you're sitting. You're not engaged in activity. But she's, when you realize that our natural inclination is activity, 
sitting is actually a very active thing. It's, it's like you have to make yourself sit in this kind of a context. She'd stopped her activity. She'd set aside her to-do list. She'd focused on who she was in the presence of and on all the other things that she had to do. And it's interesting to me, notice where she was sitting at the Lord's feet. It's a place of humility, a place where a student or a child would sit. You know, you think of, think of your children, your, your kids sitting at your feet. If I'd come and sit at your feet, it'd be kind of weird, right? You know, they kind of feel that way, culturally speaking. Your kids come and sit at your feet or something, just it, it's, there's like an intimacy there. There's a, the proximity is not offensive. I mean, she's just like a little kid listening to a father is what she's doing. I want to ask you, who's important enough in your life that you'll stop all activity and you'll focus on them? Who's that important? How regularly do you give God that kind of attention, that kind of singular focus? How often do you do that? Is that a routine part of your life? Is that something you do Christmas and Easter? Is it the kind of thing that you do on occasion when somebody sort of has something bad happen in their life and it calls you back to you know, reality of some of the problems of our lives and that this life is not all there is? And so suddenly you kind of go, oh, yeah, I got it. So suddenly you pay attention to God for a little bit. You're going to notice the second important action verb in verse 39 that describes Mary, and that is that she listened. She listened to what Jesus was saying and teaching. And she not only stopped her activity, she stopped talking. She stopped talking. Can I just say that in our generation, we live with a blizzard of words surrounding us? I mean, this is more than just an information generation. I mean, we are surrounded by noise. You set your phone down and it beeps. You turn it to vibrate and you think it's off, but then it makes noise on the table as it vibrates, right? We are surrounded by this. When in your life are you silent? When in your life do you not just mute the phone, but actually turn the thing off? How regularly are you listening to God because there's enough silence in your life that you could hear him actually if he did speak? This is one of the great challenges of spiritual development in our generation, I believe. I think if you and I do not dedicate ourselves regularly to sitting in the presence of God where there's silence, we will not become students of the Bible, nor will we become good and godly men or women. Thinking God's thoughts, hearing His words, are totally dependent upon you and me learning to listen. And to pick this book up, We need to sit in quiet with no other distractions. 
As we begin a new year together, will you make sitting here in church listening for God and what he has to say to you, will you make that a priority? Will you make sitting in a, in a chair, in a comfortable chair, in a quiet place in your home and listening for him as you read his word and pray, will you make that a regular priority? Not something that you do on random occasions, special holidays. Will you make it a routine part of your life? So you can hear God, experience his presence, recalibrate your life in light of his thoughts about things. See, just as Mary discovered the one thing that in God's estimation truly matters, you and I can too. And in many respects, it's within, it's within our grasp but we've got to intentionally ignore the distractions of our lives and the many expectations of others. And we've got to choose to sit and listen to what God's Word and His Spirit have to say to us on a daily basis. And of all the choices that you and I face in the blizzard of choices that come our way every day, this is the single most important watershed decision that you and I make on a day-by-day basis. Well, I choose to sit and listen to a God who's in the heavens but cares for me and has wisdom beyond my way of thinking and who cares about me enough to, to guide me if I care enough to listen. I recognize probably some of us this morning are thinking something like this. You maybe think to yourself, okay, well, what you're saying, what the Bible's saying here is if I'm going to be more spiritual, I guess the Bible's saying that I've got to sit for hours on end this year, and I've got to gut out reading and listening to Scripture and pray, pray, praying. Maybe some of you are feeling that way. Maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. But, but here's the thing. Every believer has some of that kind of thinking that goes through your mind. Everybody does at some point in time in their lives. But here's what I want to say to all of us when that kind of thinking begins to creep into our minds. When that kind of thinking emerges within us, it reveals the extent to which you and I have lost sight of the wisdom and winsomeness of the one who is inviting us into his presence. It's an illustration of how badly, how desperately we need God's presence. Because our souls have become sort of a spiritual vacuum in that moment. See, our God is not dumb or boring. And the depth of his affection for us and the transcendent life that he wants to impart to every one of us who will come to him can only be found in his presence. You're not going to find it at Walmart or Price Chopper or anyplace else. You don't even find it here just by virtue of walking in the doors. You find it when you encounter his presence. That's why Jesus was fond of saying things Like what he said in John 6, he said, I'm the bread of life and whoever comes to me, whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. 
I mean, in that passage, he's speaking prophetically of so many things, of, of how he is the bread of life, and he's speaking of uh, you know, how he is the living word. He's saying all of that stuff, but here's what you've got to understand. Beyond all that, what is he saying? He's saying, come to me. Come to me. I'll fill you. You won't be hungry in the same way. I'll quench the thirst of your soul if you'll come to me. He said in another place in Matthew 11, he said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. You have this plethora of teachers and you're distracted by all of them. Let me teach you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and I'm gentle at heart. You'll find rest for your souls. You go on with passages like this where Jesus speaks, but as we begin a new year, it's my hope that Mary and Martha's encounter with Jesus will remind all of us of the sacred privilege that's been freely extended to us by the living God who says to all of us, come, come to me. Come into my presence. I know what you need. I care about you. I can meet your need. I want to close by uh, sharing with you some holiday reflections I recently read. They're not... Uh, uh, Mind just from a pastor that I know of who lives out in California, and uh, experience he had. I want you to listen to what he wrote, and uh, think of what we've talked about today. I'm just going to kind of read what he says here. Just listen close. He says, uh, "One year, my wife and I hosted the annual church Chris." Let me start this again because I'm kind of butchered here. One year, my wife and I hosted the annual church staff Christmas luncheon at our home. Yeah, you got it. It's a church Christmas luncheon of all the staff of this church. He writes, We exchanged white elephant gifts with each other, laughing at the cheap and ridiculous presents, until the tenth or so person had to pick up a gift, uh, lifted from a gift bag a little porcelain baby Jesus in a manger. He says, my wife, Anne, was stunned when she saw it. It looked just like the central figure in the nativity scene that was on our living room coffee table. And then she thought to herself, and she left the room to check our nativity scene. (laughs) And sure enough, the baby Jesus figurine was missing. Somehow he had fallen off the table and into the gift bag on top of the tissue paper and the real white elephant gift that was wrapped in the bag below it. He writes, we all had a good laugh and returned Jesus to his nativity scene. But the more I thought about it, this little incident troubled me. So often, Jesus is swept off center stage in all of our lives and relegated to a kind of white elephant status. Isn't it sad that one who is so central to the life, happiness, and eternal well-being of us all can so easily be overlooked and lost in the routine activities of living. In the coming year, you and I have the opportunity to resolve to focus our time, our energies, our affections, our attention on the one thing, on the one person who truly matters. And that one person can change everything. 
if we'll just have the humility of spirit to come into his presence. Jesus told his disciples, he said, this is instruction, his, his marching orders for them as he ascended into heaven. He said, I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations. And then he says, baptizing them. He didn't say praying a sinner's prayer. He didn't say, you know, getting to go to church. He didn't say a whole lot of things. All those, all those things may be associated with what it means to be, become a disciple and so forth. But the, but the fact of the matter is, baptism is, it is a mark in your life. It's a sign for God. I, you know, I've surrendered my life to you. Let's bow our heads to pray and then... Uh, We'll continue with what we're going to do. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful that you've invited us to come to you. That you care about us. As Martha invited you into her home. We invite you into our lives. Fill us. Make us yours. We desperately need more of you. Every one of us. Thank you that you care enough to come. Thank you that you overlook and forgive our distractions. We praise you for that. We'll celebrate that all of our lives and for all eternity. Your great, amazing mercy. Thank you. Would you help us? Help us to lay aside all of other people's expectations and all the distractions of our lives and learn to enter into your presence and listen, to sit at your feet and learn from the one who is all wise, all loving, completely good, the one in whom there is no sin. You're the one who came to reveal the Father to us. Help us to learn. Lord, as we share in these baptisms today, we pray and ask that you'll, uh, that you'll uh, receive these who are making the choice to humble themselves in a public way and confess in a public fashion. They want you to be the Lord, the leader, the Savior of their lives now and forever. And just as your word says, because they're confessing it before men and women, you're confessing it before the Father in the heavens, for all of heaven. We thank you for the grand party there, and we, we share in that joy today. Would you uh, help us as we head into a new year and as we share in these next few moments uh, to just sense your presence, your affirmation, and help us in the new year to walk with you. You're the one thing, the one person matters more to us than anything else. Help us to that end, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.